This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. So the, the subject matter is going to be the Judaim. The Pesach says in Tarek Lam and Pesach Yudalit, it says, Vayelech Reuven v'meik tzirchitim. Reuven went out during the days of the reaping of the wheat. He found these Judaim in the field. By the way, I took Art School's translation for Judaim, which is Judaim. So that, that's, that's the good translation for it. And he brought them to Leah's mother. Atomer Rachel Leah. Rachel said to Leah, Tni na li mi Judaim v'neich. Please give me a little bit of your Judaim. And she said to her, You've almost completely taken my husband. Now you're taking my Dudoyim as well. So everybody asks what Leah is doing. That's not our subject for today. Suffice it to say, Leah may not have ever known that Ruckel was supposed to marry Yaakovino. It may not have ever been known to her. She may have been told the whole time, and Lavan may have told her the whole time, It's all about you, all about you, all about you. So it could be that she never knew at all. Regardless, Therefore, he should be with you tonight. In lieu of the dudaim that you're giving me from your son. Now, you have to ask, what in the world is going on here? Why are these dudaim so important that the emos are fighting over them? And they're having a challenge over which one is going to do which. And if these herbs, these flowers, are so potent that they can cause somebody who hasn't been able to give birth to give birth, why do we never see them again? We never see dudaim throughout Tanakh. We have many women who have issues with giving birth. Kana, for example. Why not have the dudaim? Right? That, that would be something over there. And the question is, did they actually help at the end. If Leah then had Yisachar, and then Zvulun, and then Dina, and Rachel, we know, was pregnant the same time that Leah was pregnant with Dina, and Rachel had Yosef at the same time that Dina was born, then it seems that Judaim didn't work at all. So why would the Torah put it in the first place? If they didn't work, and Rachel and Menu made a major mistake by doing so, it's so strange. And you should just know, Rachel and Menu may have lost her portion in Maharas and Machpelah because of these flowers. She wanted them so badly, and because she gave up a night with Yaakov, you know, Seneca Kutter you're losing all of your nights with Yaakov, you know. No longer are you going to be buried with Yaakovino. For Dudayim, what in the world is going on? Why are these so important? So first, we're going to try to explain what they are. What are they exactly? The Rashbam and the Chizkuni say they are small figs, but they, have, they don't say anywhere where they know that from. And I don't even know what to do with this shot. Let's say it's small figs. What does that mean to us? Does that mean that a person should eat small figs before they end up, before they end up uh, trying to be together with their husbands? That's a strange shot, but we don't know anything about that. The Rashbam and the Chizkuni don't explain where they get it from or what they, what they understand from it. But the Sforno says that these herbs, these flowers, had a power to help women who were not able to give birth. That's why Reuven went looking for them in the first place. Leah had stopped giving birth, but Talmud Miletus, <laughs> she gave birth to four kids within a total of about 28 months altogether. And after that, she had stopped giving birth for about a year. And Reuben's like, oh, this is crazy. So he went looking for Dudayim to help his mother give birth. The Orachayim Akadosh says that it's all based on a Zohar, that these Dudayim have the ability to help a person give birth. Leah's claim was that she shouldn't need, Ruckel should not need the Dudayim at all, because Yaakov's spending all this time with you anyway. There's a Medrash that brings down, it's by Rebbe Gamliel, it's really, it's in Shira Shirim Rabbah, where you might have heard a version of this Medrash. It's a famous tale, even if it's not from the Medrash itself. It's the famous idea. What ended up happening was the following. Rebbe Gamliel, Rebbe Gamliel ended up having a, um, 
Rebbe Gamliel, obviously, the big tzaddik, had two people come to him, and they said they'd been married for years and they hadn't been able to give birth. So the husband said, I want a child, and my wife can't give me the child. So he said, do you want to get divorced? They said, the honest truth is, we don't want to get divorced, right? But at the end of the day, what are we going to do? We want children. And the wife said, I want to give my husband children. The husband said, I really want children. So they decided they were going to get divorced. So Rebbe Gamliel said, you should have one big party, a last party. The same way you got married with a big party, you should get divorced with a big party. That's what should happen. So they got divorced, and they, they, before they got divorced, they ended up making this huge party, and at the very end of the party, the husband, who had been drinking, said to his wife, at the end of the party, you can take back whatever you want. Anything you want from my house, you can have one thing that's just yours completely, that has nothing to do with the guests, you can just take one thing and bring it back with you to your father's house. This so woman said, okay, I'll, I'll do that. She got him good and drunk, and then once he was good and drunk, she put him inside her Wagon, carriage, whatever it is. It's not a facetious story, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a wagon. It's just, it, regardless, she put him in the back and then drove back to her father's house. And when he woke up in the morning, he obviously was shocked to see that he wasn't where he was supposed to be. So what happened? She said, you said I could take whatever I love the most. I love you the most out of anything in our house, so I took you with me. So they went back to Rav Gamil. Rav Gamil said, in this chus that you love each other so much, you should have a child. And they ended up having a child. From that, they learned from that medrash that if a husband and wife are together constantly, that's the greatest gula to have a child. That if they show that love for each other, being together, I'm not saying that this works every time. I don't want people to go around, but this is based on the Medrash. And the Orachim HaKadr says that Leah said to Rachel, what do you need to do dying for? Yaakov was with you all the time. You don't need anything else. And maybe Yaakov did so because Leah already had four children. Zilpah and Bilah had already had two children each. So maybe he was expecting Rachel to have the next four and he needed a bit more, she needed a bit more help. So we spent more time with her, and that's why Leah said, Well, you want to take the Dudayim? There's no point to the Dudayim. Your husband's already with you. That's the best thing to be able to go. Regardless, that's what the Orachayim Akutter says based on this idea. Rashi says that these, fl- these flowers are called sigli, which is jasmine in Aramaic. If you look toward the back on the fourth page over here, jasmine is the fourth thing on this side, the second to last one, the little white flower that's right over there. That jasmine, it has a tremendous smell, but it doesn't have any properties that any herbalists say are able to make a person have children when they couldn't have children. Either way, but that's Levi's opinion in Sanhedrin Sadi Tesema Beis. In Shabbos, Nunum Rashi says it has three leaves or three branches of leaves and it's called viol. There's some questions about the Rashi, what to make as a bracha. Should he make the bracha baruch isvei b'samim or baruch atzei b'samim? By this type of plant. Regardless, that doesn't matter for right now. Regardless, it's right over there. Now, the Targum translates it as yavruchin. And Rav says that over there in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Saitat, he quotes it as Yavruchen. Rashi says he doesn't know what they are. That's the reason why Rashi in the Chumash doesn't mention it this way. He has no idea what these Yavruchen are. Even Ezra mentions that they have a great smell. Shira Shirim, it says in Zayin Yadawad, Hadudayim, the only other place in the Torah where it says in this Dudayim. Hadudayim Naim Natsnu Reach, they give over a certain smell. Says Ibn Ezra, they look like little people. That's what the Dudayim look like. The bottom of them look like little people. They have a head and small arms and they have hands. 
He says he doesn't understand why they would be good for impotency or to help a lady become pregnant since their nature is more on the cold side. But the Balatorim points out that the Gematria of Dudayim is 65, which is Ke'odom. They look like a human being. So again, if you look on the back, you can see it somewhat looks like a human being, like a really messed up human being with lots of limbs that are coming out of the wrong places. But those are two different things. If you look, it's kind of hard to tell what's real and what's fake when you look at these other. They're called mandrakes, right? And there is a little berry. If you look, the first picture is the root. That's the fruit of the mandrake. They have flowers. They have fruit that come with it. It looks like a tiny little watermelon. So that's what mandrakes are. You can't really tell what's real and what's fake when you look and you try to see the pictures of what these mandrakes look like. I'm sure Harry Potter could tell you exactly what they are and what what their their real magical properties are. But regardless, the, the idea behind it is that they look like tiny little people and that was considered a school to be able to have in the house. I did not see anywhere how you use it. I, mean, I didn't see anywhere that says you take these and you crush them and you put them, like you make it into a potion and then you drink it and then all of a sudden it heals impotency. I didn't see anything that said anything about it. My assumption is they left it in the room and they held it there and that became a school that the wife would become, would be able to have children. I would assume that that's the shop behind it. Like they say that rubies are a school for easy childbirths. That a ruby is there. It's not that you have to do anything to the ruby. It's having the ruby on you, carrying it, having it in the room, is enough to be able to make it for an easy childbirth. Either way, regardless. One of the problems that we've shown and have with these pshatim is that these herbs are not commonly found in the spring when we're going out. The make tzir chitim, the days of the reaping of the wheat, is during Shavuos. That was the time when he went out to go. This is not the time when these herbs grow. The mandrakes, as well as jasmine, does not grow especially by Shavuot time more than any other time in the year. So the fact that Ruben found them during that time would be a little bit strange. But the Chassam Sofer is not bothered by this at all. The Chassam Sofer said that's not an issue by me. He says that just like Yehuda was brought to Tamar. Remember when Yehuda was riding the donkey and the donkey was turned to Tamar because that was the right thing to do for Yehuda at the time of the Malach turned the donkey over to Tamar for him to be together with Tamar. So too over here. Ruben found Dudayim that shouldn't have been there in order for Leah to get them to sell them in order for Yisachar to be born. It wasn't that, it, it's not like a crazy thing, it's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted this to be, so it's not a big problem that it wasn't at that time. Now the Ramban seems to say the most mistaber shots behind this idea of how they work for childbirth. He says, Rokhulimenu wanted the flowers for the smell, not for the skula. She didn't care that they had a skula to make child, to take, have children. She wanted it just because it smelled, and that's what happened later on when Rokhul ended up giving birth it wasn't because of the Dudayim. It was because God remembered her. By Yizkor Lokim Mes Rachel, Hashem remembered Rachel, which you the Dudayim did not work at all. The Dudayim was just a nice smell that you bring in the house and it makes it smell nice. Lots of things smelled really badly back then. So obviously, the more good smells you could find around the house, that would be a nice thing to be able to have. So Ruvain did not even bring the root, which is where everybody says the school comes from. The root looks like a human being. He brought the flower and the fruit, which doesn't look like a human being. It's just something that you eat, something that you smell. That's what he ended up bringing about, and that's that. The Radak says that as well. Ruckel did not become pregnant after using them. It was really just for the actual fruit and to be able to eat or to smell, and that's that. 
Rav Victor Miller, whose parish in Rakhobish is always, like, goes through the posh of shot and be able to, to understand this, says, it's not that these worked at all, but you have to understand something. When somebody tells you that something is good for childbirth, and you're trying to give birth, you're trying to allow something to happen in order to give birth in the proper way, you do anything possible for that to happen. Do anything you can for the child to be born in a proper fashion. What he means is the following. It may have been that the Dudayim were a big fake. It may be that the Dudayim did not work at all. But you have to do your Ishtadlis. So go ahead and find, you should find, even mandrakes, even these little Dudayim. Go find them and use them, even if they don't work. Because that's the way you have to do your Ishtadlis. Says with Victor Miller that you have to do no matter what. I even use the word dubious in here, which I, I don't use very often, but it's good. Even if their methods are dubious. Nonetheless, you have to still go ahead and do anything you can to make sure you do what you do, and that's what Rachel Aminu did. It's not that she thought they were. She's going to do everything possible. What's up, Alex? Did they know that these were uh, some sort of uh, Ruben at the time was six years old. It's unlikely that he knew, uh, unless we're dealing with a super genius and we're not understanding something, it's unlikely that he really knew what the properties of these things were. Yeah. I, it looked nice. It smelled nice. Yeah, I, I would assume that that's the shot. It smells great. I want that for myself. That's the idea of the robot says. Possibly. And that's the other Pshatim. In other words, not the Ramban, but the Ibn Ezra and the Sforno saying, yeah, that she went in thinking, oh, it's going to help me for childbirth. That's what she went in thinking. The Malvin says such a Pshat, and this is really from the Alshech. I don't know why the Malvin doesn't attribute this back to Ramosha Alshech. It's really the same Pshat. But the Malvin says it so clear. He says, the whole thing was a misunderstanding. See, you're looking at the Pasuk and you're looking at Leah and she's being mean. You already took my husband. Now you want to take my Dudayim as well? Like, what's wrong with you, lady? Why are you doing this? It sounds like Leah is already being, like, unappreciative of, of, of Ruffle and that there's a fight going on. Says the Malvin, that's not what happened at all. Leah was telling Ruffle, similar to the Orachayim Akadus that we mentioned above, she was putting too much faith in a natural herb. You should be davening to Hashem. You think that this is what's going to get you to have children? By having a natural herb? You're not davening enough, said Leah to Ruffle. You're not davening enough. It's Tila that's going to work. The herb is nice, but it means nothing without Siyat Edishmaya. And she said to her, you already have Yaakov Vinu's love. You already have Yaakov Vinu's tefillos. All you have to do is add on your own tefillah. That's Hama'at Kach Do you realize that you already took my husband? You took his tefillos for yourself. That's why I stopped giving birth. I assume that the next four children are coming from you. You've already taken my husband. In order to take those tefillos for yourself, you need nothing else. You don't need to die, she was trying to say. So why would you want these you die in for yourself. Now, the way they said is that since Yaakov had already moved in with Rachel permanently, like we had said from the Orachayim HaKadosh, so Rachel understood that what Leah was doing was jealousy. She thought that she wasn't trying to help her. She misunderstood what Leah was doing and said, oh, I didn't realize you were jealous. So please, my husband should be with you tonight. The Yaakovina should be with you. Now, as a side note, by the way, we're not living in a world where we can fully understand how Rachel and Leah could be sisters and married to a man at the same time, how co-wives work, and how this works together. We typically look at co-wives as sorrows. That's what they're called. That they're a pain to one another. Chazal seemed to say that Rachel and Leah did not have the typical sorrow relationship that a normal sorrow would have where they hated each other. There was a love between them, and even though the Chumash seems to breed 
jealousy and hatred, where one saw that one was hated more than the other, one saw that one more was loved than the other, and we see this fight over here. The Malbin the Alshik's take on this Pusik is that no, they were trying to help each other and spurn each other on. That when Leah said it, Ruchel, you don't understand, just Davin, Ruchel misunderstood and thought, Oy vey, my sister is jealous of me, please, let my husband go to you tonight. I didn't realize. I'm sorry that this has happened, and I didn't want that. Now Leah is not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. He's not, she's not going to look at this and say, well, I can have Yaakov in it tonight? Done. So she gave her the Dudayim and took Yaakovina for that night, and ended up having two children from it. Yisachar, Zvulun, and Dina were born after this point, because Rachelimin was willing to give up her time. But that's not what Leah meant. Leah never meant to say that I want the husband, or I'm upset at you for the husband. She meant to say, just Davin. And that's what happened. Eventually, Rachel figured it out. Rachel said, you know what, the Dudayim don't work. It's got to be up to me. I have to Davin. I tried everything else. Nothing else working. Now I'm Davining. And her tefillah worked, and that's when Hashem remembered her. What's up, Benjamin? Two things. First of all, the Zudayim, could it also have been that they thought that this would have medicinal properties, but it didn't, and so maybe there was a placebo effect. So that was the understanding that the Ramban really gave, that there might have been something, but it's not really that. Like, they didn't really take that way. It was really for the smell and stuff like that. Yeah, it's definitely possible. That, that, but Ruckel, according to this Malbim the Alshech, no. The Malbim the Alshech said that Ruckel Mamish thought, thought, this is a true segula, and this is what's going to work for me, and Leah was trying to warn her against Whoa, it. Or a natural... Uh, in a way, well, not a natural remedy because it was, it's, it's not like part of the, it, skula just means, the literal translation of skula is something that doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense, it just works. Nobody understands why. So I believe Ruchel, I mean, yeah, almost like superstition. Ruchel, I, mean, I believe, treated it as a segula. The wording of the, of the Alshech was segula. Not that she thought there was a natural remedy, but somehow it worked. Didn't make any sense, but somehow it worked. I think I understand it better that way. And the other thing is, there's also a similarity here between um, Rachel and Chana, because... Remember, uh, Alakana said to Tana, I don't know if he's a love master, but I'm not better than you than ten sons. And here, Rafa, Isaiah uh, seems to be saying, You have the husband, you've got the better deal. But really, it's only the person who's child, the woman who's childless, fully understands. Like, the yeah, the no. There's no question. There's connections between the way Penina talked to Hannah and the way that Leah talked to Rachel. And that both were spurning them on in a Lashin Shemayim instead of that way. more Ruffle conversation with Alakana was that yeah, you got me, you know, like you, you know, it's okay if you don't have any children. Whereas Ruffle, oh, thinks, oh, oh. Yaakov, so you said right before we walked in, we said that the Orachaima Carter said that being together with one's husband is the best school for childbirth. That love right. spurning each other on, well, and that's the idea behind it. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but not in that way. That the more they're together, we give a measure to the Rabbanim Leo. That was right before, and that would be that idea. Yes, I, I would agree with that as well. But the Shari Aron, who's a that's written on all things, basically a parish on Rashi, but he has a lot of Pirushim all together, says that it makes sense that it does help one's relationship with one's wife. The idea is, he says, first of all, Dudayim can come from the word Dodi, as in Anila Dodi, the Dodi Li, as in beloved, and maybe the word Dudayim means that way because since it was such a great smell, it could be that it adds to one's taiva and desire, makes him desire his wife. I, I don't know, but maybe it was almost like a perfume, like a perfume that she would wear that allowed her to have a great allowed him to have a greater desire for his wife. I don't know how to translate that exactly, but it seems
seems like that's what he's trying to say. Rich Sturmbach. I'm sorry? That's the idea behind it. Rich Sturmbach says... That's probably a thing you already have. Yeah, Leah's saying, like, yeah, what do you need any more for? He already loves you so much. Rich Sturmbach says that a woman does not have the same desire that men do regarding that type of relationship. They need to be calm and rested, and the smell that these herbs exuded, that they gave off, made her relaxed. And since it made her relaxed, that allowed her to calm down and made her more receptive to her husband. That's the idea that they come. So it could be that it is a natural remedy, not a segula, but it's actually natural natural that the smell and everything through it allowed for there to be a good relationship between the two. Regardless, the Shach says that it worked. The Judaim did work, but not in the way that you expected. The Judaim's whole point was for Leah, not for Rachel. The Judaim worked for her to get Yisachar and Zulun. It was an act of true friendship to be able to give of her Judaim to her friend, to her wife, and therefore she was blessed with children that had the greatest friendship of all time. The friendship of Yisachar, Zulun, relationship, where Yisachar learns for Zvulun and Zvulun pays for Yisachar, where that relationship comes through because Leah showed that she was friends with her wife, her co-wife. She was willing to give over to that. And that's the idea that Ksav Sofer says, that's the Pasuk and Shira Shirin. Hadudayim Nasnureach. The Judaim allowed for that friendship to go through from one to the other that these Shvatim perfumed each other, so to speak, went from one to the other. Fine, what's up? She See, that's the funny part. I, I'm going to mention this a little bit later. Notice the Pasuk, Lachain Yishkabim Chalayla. The Rachelimene said, therefore he'll sleep with you tonight. That's not the wording you should do. Lachain should not be the right wording. Lachain sounds like, thanks for giving them to me, therefore you will be together. It's not like I'm offering you. I'm offering would be, how about, like, how about I do this? He'll sleep with you tonight and I'll take the Judaim. It seems that Leah said her line of whatever she meant, whether she meant it Lashem Shemaim or she meant it in anger, whatever it was, she said her line, then gave the Dudayim over. And after Rachel Aminu took the Dudayim, then she said, Thank you, Lachain Yishkabim Kalalila. See what I'm saying? It's like it, was, it happened, Rachel Aminu got them all ready from Leah, and Leah did not expect anything in return. She gave it to Rachel, said, Please, it's yours. I got my words out, I got what I needed to say out, but it's yours. And then she was rewarded with Rachel. Rachel didn't have to give anything, but she said, You know what? Therefore, you should be with, together with you tonight. <laughs> Yeah. No, because it would be the exact opposite, right? Because the Dutch didn't work that way. It only worked for the other person to get it. Right. But that's the idea of what Leo was trying to do. That Leo was going the other way around. Now, the Samsober says that the month Reuven found it was in Sivan by Shabuos. The mazel of that month is to Umim. To Umim means twins. And the Ovdi Avodah used to take these plants and bow down to them. They would take the male and the female. Apparently, there are masculine and feminine Dutchian mandrakes. I tried looking this up. I, I think you need to be a botanist to really understand this. There are such things as masculine and feminine plants. In other words, for example, um, when you have buds that come from a certain tree, that is a feminine plant that allows for seeds to grow through. There are certain plants that do not give off buds, that don't have it. For example, I, I, the, the clearest example, and I'm sorry for going through something that's a little bit crude, but hemp and marijuana is the best example, where hemp, which is used for clothing, is the masculine version of the feminine plant that's used for marijuana. That's the idea behind it. There's, I'm sorry? Date trees. Nah, sorry. No, no, no. Please. Date trees are a good example as well. Right. Date trees in which you have it. Yeah. That's an example of what you've done. 
which it does give off some. Right. There, there is a feminine version and a masculine version. So apparently by the Dudayim, there was a masculine and a feminine version. They would take both of those and they would bow down to them and worship a Bodhisattva with them. So when Reuben took them away from those people and showed them to his mother, right, that's when Leah said, here's what this herb is for. Says it was around that time taking them away so that his mother could see what this is all about. Rashi tells us this is the praise of the Shvatim that they would never steal something from someone else. She went to the fields all the way out there and took from Hefker these Dudayim she would never take from someone's field someone's field the way they, these Dudayim were growing but Nitzib says he doesn't understand it it seems that these Dudayim are really expensive especially if they're used for school of properties in order to help people give birth you'd think that they're more expensive than a thing of wheat why wouldn't they make makhli but he says maybe this time of year people cared more about the wheat than Dudayim all other times of year people are like no I want Dudayim I want the Dudayim I want the Dudayim but at this time of year when they reaped the wheat, the Dudayim was secondary. Now, the Dudayim were after. So, Reuben may have been waiting and waiting and waiting, and then when the Yamek Tzirachitim happened, says the Nitziv, then he went out and took them, because that was the only time that they were mutter to take from someone's field. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been. That's the idea. Ramosha points out that, it, obviously, it's not that, I mean, it, it, that's a praise? Like, he didn't steal. <laughs> like, that, that's not that great of a praise for someone on the level of the Shvatim. What's the big deal? So, he says, here's the difference. There's a difference between a tzaddik and a regular person. A regular person goes about his day without thinking about what he has to do or where he has to be or anything like that. He just goes about his day. And when things go well, great. And when things don't go so well, if he messes up, all right, he messed up, right? If something comes up in front of him and he happens to steal, not realizing, like he walks by a person's field and he smells a flower and he's like, that smells really good. And he goes and he picks the flower and smells it and he's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that because now I'm stealing from that guy's flowers, right? He doesn't think that way. A regular person just does it and then thinks of the ramifications afterward. Like, oh, hey, I really shouldn't have done that in the first place. A tzaddik considers his actions before he does them. A tzaddik looks at himself and says, what would I do if I was in a situation where there was a fruit in front of me and I know it's not time for me to pick it, but I pick, what should I do? What should I do? He considers the actions before. It's not a reaction. It's an action. It's a consideration beforehand. Reuben went to the field specifically at a time when he knew they would be after. He didn't find himself in a field and saw Zudayim and grabbed them and said, oh yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. But since I took it, right, I'm just going to say, this is a great story. One of my brothers was once drinking milk from the refrigerator right after we had eaten a flechic meal. Maybe like 20 minutes after we had eaten a flechic meal. Okay? And right after he had done it, he took the milk and just was chugging. My wife walked in and saw him doing it. She's like, wait, let's just call him a name. Like, Johnny, Johnny, can't do that. We just ate flechics. So he looked and he's like, all right. And then he started drinking the milk again. So I was like, what are you doing? So he said, once you're milchik, you're milchik. <laughs> that is not a halacha. <laughs> that is not how we hold. It doesn't work that way. You can't just get up and just do something like that. Says Ramosha. You can't go ahead and just keep doing it. Says Ramosha. A tzaddik goes through. Reuben, at the age of six, considered when he could go out to the fields and when he could pick these flowers and what he could do. That shows the tzaddik. The, show, the, the reason why he was so great is because he made sure that he did it in the right way. And the Chavetz Chaim, in the classic Chavetz Chaim way, says that this shows the Mila not of Reuven. It's not about Reuven. It shows Reuven's parents how great they were. I don't know too many six-year-olds that don't steal. 
Not on purpose. They don't do it on purpose. Six-year-olds have a tremendous knack of putting things in their hands that are not theirs. It's just the way things go. They don't think about other people's property. The fact that Ruben was there and he was doing it, and by the way, as a side note, this is why Ramosha says, Ramosha Feinstein says, we learn Elu Metzias and Bav Metzias. I'm pretty sure everyone here started learning Gemara Elu Metzias first. That's the first Masaka. You did Amaniach first? I found it good. I did Elu Metzias. Oh, I'm sorry, Crown. You did Elu Metzias also. Are you sure? I thought Amaniach is what we do sixth grade. Well, I could have done that also considering I was in sixth grade. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, that proves it was first. <laughs> I, 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 it's usually a limited Really? Really? It's just the opera. Conus is a six star above a comment. That's, yeah, that's what we did at Conus. That's that. Okay, this is Virginia. I'm just saying, like, normal people do a Limitius first, except for one year of Ari Crown where they didn't. Every, <laughs> I remember doing a Limitius first, and Ramosha says, he poskins, that you got to do a Limitius. They wanted to do Brochus first. And the reason why I wanted to do Gemara Brochus is because it's a somewhat easy Gemara. It goes through Shman, Shman, that's what he teaches them about that. And he said, no, do a Limitius. Because you have to teach a child that what's mine is yours and what's yours is yours. That concept of what's Yenem's is Yenem's is so important to be able to say what can you keep and what can you not. It's such an important line that's the, the necessary and he calls it Koach Get the child used to doing things that are correct. That shows you how great how great Yaakov Avinu and uh, Leah would have been in their Chinuch of their children that Ruvain at the age of six. I'm just pointing out, with three younger kids that were, <laughs> I'm sure that Leah couldn't have spent that much time together with Ruben, considering how many kids she had so quickly. Nonetheless, he was given the proper chinuch in that proper way. That's something amazing. Rev Hirsch does go through, and he also says there's a friendship between the sisters. Now, this is not Rev Hirsch's darach. I've done Rev Hirsch. I, I went through Rev Hirsch through Shmos Vayikor Bamibar Dvarim, and now through Voracious. Right now, I'm finishing off with Voracious. I know it's not the norm, but I, I didn't have a Voracious last year. But I, I, either way, I, as I'm looking through, I see how Reverse is going through things. And I understand he learns things in a very different way than I'm used to. It's a very interesting way, but he goes through things. But here, even though normally he always goes with the Pusha text, and even if it seems that it's knocking down the Avos and saying something bad about the Avos, Reverse says, it doesn't matter. It's bad about the Avos. It's okay to say bad things about the Avos. That's Reverse is there. But here he says, can't be. He says, it just sounds ridiculous. You wouldn't say this line. Here's the line. You're taking my husband and now you're taking my flower? This, no. Taking my husband is extreme. Wait, taking the flower means nothing. It means nothing. In the grand scheme of things, it's, you're taking my husband, therefore I don't like you. It's not, you're taking my husband and now you're taking my belt? <laughs> no. It's, you're taking my belt. It gives me a, a, a tiny little bit of happiness. Now you want that too? But that, that's what he's saying. She's saying, it's, the reverse is saying, it's such a strange line that you'd say right over here, that wording of the puzzle. And it seems that there was an Entitlement to the Judaim, as if Rachelimenu couldn't go out to the fields and get them herself. I mean, honestly, what was this entitlement, this sense of entitlement? My son found them. He said the whole thing. He says seems to be a big joke. 
Seems to be a big joke. In other words, it goes like this. It's literally the opposite. These wives sat together every night. They would sit together while Yaakov was in the fields. They were best of friends with one another, aside from being sister wives. They were best of friends with one another and talked with each other every night. One day, Reuben brought in these Zudayim, and Rachel mentions to her sister, oh, you know, those might be helpful to her. So Leah says the reverse, in a joking way, responds, you know, your request is quite a presumptuous request. You know what you're asking for. Not only are you asking to take my husband, but you're also asking for my, for my, for my special herbs that my son gave me. It, that's the line. It wasn't a serious problem. It wasn't like she was saying to Ruckel that you're a terrible person. That's not what she was trying to do. And Ruckel said it. She immediately gave it to Ruckel. She immediately gave it over. And Ruckel said, Lachain, of course, I'll, I'll give you something back in return as well. In, in other words, yes. It was sort of like a strange, like a joking manner type of thing, which is so strange for a person to say. But it shows you that he was so convinced that this couldn't have been shot that even he is willing to go against his derech to be able to say that in these psukim it could not be that they were truly arguing with one another. That tells me something over here. If that, they say something like that, the I think that's the way you have to look at it. You just think sometimes that it is written that way, and it fools you into thinking one way or the other. But certainly it's not. It's there to teach you a lesson. And Reverse is saying over here, don't be fooled, but the other way around. It could be, as a side note, the Reverse was... It was trying to go against some people who were saying that the emos were petty, were fighting pettily against one another. It could be that that's the whole problem, that there were people that were going out there and saying crazy things, and Reverse was just like, no, that's not what's going on, dude. That's not what's happening. It's possible that's what Reverse is trying to say. I'm not positive about that. Regardless, let's go into the next line over here. Rashi tells us the night that Leah received his dream was the night that Yaakov was supposed to be with Rachel, and she was willing to give Leah the ability to be with Yaakov that night for the rights of the dream. That was a hate on the part of Rachel a minor hate but a hate and she lost we said before she lost her ability to be buried with Yaakovina because of that the Chidusha Rim says that this whole thing was a test of Leah it was all a test and Leah passed passed the test with flying colors that the test was that she would get upset thinking that Rachel was trying to steal more from her, take something from her, and she had to be mevatel herself for the good of her sister. Would she be willing to be mevatel herself for the good of her sister? Rachel who did that to her. We know that. I don't know if Leah truly knew what Rachel was doing and she was giving her the simonim. I don't know if she knew that Rachel got the simonim straight from Yaakov for herself and that Rachel gave it to Leah. It's possible that Leah thought that these simonim were supposed to be given to her. She may have thought that the whole marriage was always supposed to be to her and the rock would have been there. There's a lot of shots in my next. She was, was crying because it was supposed to be to Asa but Lavan may have convinced her may have convinced her that Yaakov Avinu knows that it's Leah then Rachel and that he'll still marry Rachel but it's Leah first it could be it could be that Leah always knew about it It, 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 it's possible I I don't know but I'm not bothered by that as much the Kedusha Rim says that Rachel was mevatel herself to her sister Leah has to be mevatel herself to her sister and this was the test would she be willing to give up something that's her own something that she wanted either for the smell or the school or whatever it is something that her son gave her in order for Rachel to have a little bit of happiness a little bit of extra simcha would she be willing to do that and on that finally she said yes I'm willing to do it and once she did it she was Zilchadav Yisachar and Zvulun perhaps that's the idea behind it I'll just say that there's two strange things that's over here over, uh, 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 from this the Rabbeinu Ephraim 
and seems to be from the Panach Raz as well, says that Leah's issue is not that Rachel asked for them. It's that Rachel grabbed them. That literally Rachel took them out of Leah's hands and said, I want them. And that's why Leah said, You took these as well? Why did you just take them from me? I would have given them to you. But you had to take them from me? Why do you have to take them from me? That's a strange shot that Rachel grabbed them out of Leah's hands. And the Tzapnas Panach says it even further. Tzapnas Panach says that on that point, Yaakov had moved into Rachel's tent completely and is completely out of Leah's, Leah's tent. This is what happens. You've ever heard of the phrase "say maisia decha bimzono secha"? Say maisia decha bimzono secha. Those who have learned Gittin and Ksuvis know this line. When a person, a husband, is allowed at any point in his marriage to say to his wife, "Let your maisia daim be your mizonos. I'm no longer feeding you." There's a Shiloh in the Gemara if you can do that because of the Chiyuvah and the Ksuva. But if the Maisia Daim is there and your wife can afford it, a husband may be allowed to tell her wife, tell his wife, go take care of yourself. I'm not feeding you right now. Correct. He would lose all the rights to her Maisia Daim. There's, she, loses, she loses and he loses. There's two things that get her Mitzias end up becoming her. Everything is different. Everything is different at this point. According to Tzapnas Yaakov said that to Leah. Rachel was his full wife right now, and he said to Leah, And that's why Reuven was going in the fields to find Judaim because they needed food. So Reuven, the six-year-old, is going out and finding food because Yaakov Avinu wasn't giving them food. And then he brought back, hold on, brought it back, and Rachel Imenu tried taking that, and Leah said, this is my food, you're taking this from me? How could you take this from me? Totally the opposite of everything we've been saying up until now. I don't, obviously, the obvious question on this is why Yaakov Avinu would ever do that to his wife. Why would he ever do that? But I'm just telling you, I found this over here, that the Bechir Shabbat was to do such a thing, but the says it. He says it. So I, I'm going to mention I'm saying it on the side against everything else that we've been going with up until now, but regardless, it is there. It goes away when they're able to get the stuff on their own. And do you understand? That's what he was saying. Reuven's old enough to get stuff in the field, so therefore it was. Reuven was able to. I, I agreed. There's no question he had enough money. That's why I said it's a strange shot. The fact that he would do this in the first place, can you imagine a husband doing that to his wife nowadays? It's, just, it's, it's so beyond the scope. I'm sorry? It's a lot easier to understand. I agree. I agree. And I, I started off this year with really that line. We, and I really said in the middle as well, I don't quite understand how the emos worked. And we don't understand what it means to have sister wives and to deal with each other. We don't understand this. So maybe you're right. Maybe that is the norm. That was the norm back then. But I would still think that Yaakovin would be beyond that level and that he would be a chassid beyond the chassidim and would never think of doing such a thing. But then again, I also see Avramavinu kicking Hagar out of the house and not giving her any money on the way out. So, through Sorry Minus through Sorry Minus line. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. 
Did you judge? Uh, it, it, you're right, unless he said, say, my Sirech Correct. The, the line is, that, 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 that's a great call, because there's a whole piece in the party on what happens if your child, if a person has multiple wives, and he has a, she has, he has a child that goes out to the fields and finds something, does the Mitziah belong to the husband or the wife if the wife is not, not favored at that time? He has a whole big piece on it. It could be that there may be a Shiloh in that, and a Ruckel was saying, I have a right to those because they belong to Yaakov, not you. Well, it's possible that was there. The flower, the flower is local. They just find something on the street. The flower is like, oh, give it to me. It's a flower. I own the flower. Who said that? Yeah. I, 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 I mean, <laughs> I don't know. The same husband who just said, say, my dear, that one is on a sucker. Probably that person. I don't know. I'm sorry? Yes and no. There are situations where he doesn't get what belongs to the wife. The clear situations are when somebody says, I'm doing this for the woman and not for the husband to have anything. Like if a guy gives a gift of $100 to the wife and says your husband should have no right to that, there are certain situations where the wife can have certain property that is hers and not the husband. Right? That's also in Gideon. But it's not an easy thing to go through. Not easy thing to go through. And normally by Metzia, that doesn't apply. Very quickly, possibly the best shot that I've seen. And I, I, I love this shot. comes from the... I'm skipping the Chsamsof and the Miyamoyes over here, but he says the following. Now, again, this goes into secrets of the Torah that I don't fully understand. But Reuven was always worried that he was something called a Ben Temura. The Gemara Nida speaks about this, where a child is born from a relationship where the husband is thinking of another woman while he's together with his wife. If he's thinking of another woman while he's together with his wife, the child that is born from that relationship is called a Ben Temura. And it's a quasi-mamzer type style. The child is, has a pagam in him. There's something wrong when that happens. So what he says the following. Is when the father's thinking? I thought that was the mother's thinking. Both. It goes by both. When Yaakov was with Leah on that first night, he thought it was Rachel. He thought it was Rachel. He thought he was marrying Rachel. So in theory, Reuven, who was born from that relationship, he was conceived from that first relationship between Yaakov and Leah, should be a Ben Temura, because he was thinking about Rachel. So he's always worried about that, and he was wondering why he had to be born that way. He was walking through a field on the times of Shavuos, and this time, obviously, Shavuos had not been yet, but where Shavuos and Matantor would be in the future, it was a time of contemplation, of thinking, and he sat there, and he realized that there was going to be another child and maybe he got this through Ahakodesh there would be another child who was going to be born in such a way I don't have time to go through the Medrash but David Amelech was also born in the same vein where Yishai his father had solicited a Shifcha to be together with him because Yishai was dubious of his twice in one chair was questioning his ancestry was he really mutter to marry a Basisrael because he was from a Moavia could a Moavia Rus a Moavia marry into Claudius role. So he's questioning, maybe I can't marry a Jewish woman. So maybe I have to marry a Shifcha. So he went up to a Shifcha, solicited her, and said, I'll be together with you because I don't know who I'm supposed to be with, who I'm not supposed to be with. And the Shifcha gave the signs that Yishai gave her to David Amalek's mother, Nitzeves Basa Doyle, Yishai's wife. And Yishai was together with Nitzeves Basa Doyle, but thought... That she was being together with 
Bishifcha. So there's another child who is a possible Ben Timura. That child ended up becoming David Amelech. Reuven saw the Ruach HaKadosh there would be a child that's born on this day. That's David Amelech who's going to be born on Shavuot. That child is also going to be born in the same way. And in this he saw Dudayim is David Aim. He says that the mother of David would have the same type of situation and it would be in the field, in a place of Hefker. In other words, it would be almost like a Hefker woman and it would happen on purpose. Said Reuven, if that's true by David and David Amalek became the progenitor of Mashiach and David Amalek was the greatest king in Klau Yisrael, then certainly it means by me it's the same thing. It must be that Yishai and Yaakov were such Sadiqim that even though they were together with a woman that they thought was someone else, their thought process was whoever Hashem wants me to be with, that's who I'm with. They had no thought toward that woman or any other woman. They said, whoever this is, that's who I'm with right now. And thus the child was not a Ben Tamura by David, was not a Ben Tamura by Ruvain, and it was done on purpose by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to make Tikkunim in the world. They go to Kalab and goes on and says that Ruvain is a Tikkun of Kayan. <laughs> and that David Amel is a tikkun of Adam Arisham. That's another thing altogether that we don't have to go into. But those were the Dudayim that he brought his mother. He consoled his mother. He brought these Dudayim to show his mother, look, David's mother was the same way. David Aim had the same situation. And it worked out well for him, so don't worry about me. I'm going to be fine as well. That's what he told his mother. His mother was consoled by it, and that's what the Dudayim meant. Why Ruckle then tried to take them, and what happened with that, that he doesn't explain. I don't care. That's the greatest shot I've ever heard in my life with trying to understand what's going on here with the best, with, with these ideas. If you want, in the bottom, all I have over here is little things about mandrakes, about how mandrakes are hallucinogenic and narcotic, but they do not have properties that allow, or at least that they see, that have the ability to be able to to do things but it does say regarding ginseng which may be another way of understanding what these dudayim are the ginseng you know those teas that have ginseng in them apparently there is something in there that has some type of a aphrodisiac or possibly a stimulant that's involved that's what they say so maybe that was the shop on what the dudayim were those ones if you go to the Chinatown go to the Chinese medicine places they have ginsengs that are insane they're like $2,000 a pound and it all is based on it's aphrodisiac value. That's what they're supposed yeah. to do it for. That's crazy. So that's what they say. They, they say that there's somebody that put it down that ginseng may be the dudayim, and it's based on that. It's a very interesting shot that goes through. But you have that over there. Shkayach, everybody.